I am who I am. <laughs> it's what you paid for. <laughs> you paid too much. Welcome to the RC Roundtable Podcast, where we discuss the latest RC hobby news, events, model reviews, and a whole lot more. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the RC Roundtable, where morning comes way too early when the time changes. Mm -hmm. uh, also, the secret number for today is 53200, which we'll get to later. In the meantime, hello, Terry. Good morning. And hello, so, Lee. Hello, Fitz. Hey. What's this uh, secret number stuff? Is it like Pee-wee's Playhouse? You hear that number, you're supposed to yell and scream. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's way too it's early like to be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That that show was gloriously weird. Well, I, we should do that though, because if we ever say the, the word FAA today, <laughs> <laughs> we should scream. <laughs> <laughs> I approve this message. <laughs> yes, well, we'll talk about that number later in the show. But first, let's talk about what new products may or may not have come out in the last time we did it. Real show, which has kind of been a while, hasn't it? <laughs> One of these stories is fake. You have to decide which <laughs> new product is real. <laughs> so, Fitz, I hear you have a double nitro fuel-injected... Uh, <laughs> well, somebody has woken up. Yeah, uh, what happened? My like, ten minutes hit. ago, you were <laughs> comatose. <laughs> I'm here. Let's go. Yeah. So, okay, for those well. who don't know, we're recording this in the morning after the springing forward... And it is not sitting well so far. What's the spring forward you speak of? I, I'm still sprung back. Yeah. Whoever invented daylight savings time, well, they, it did not have kids for sure. They need to be shot and urinated on. That's what happens. <laughs> wow. <laughs> One of us is grumpier than the other two. <laughs> With extreme prejudice. I'm not a morning person. <laughs> All right, uh, well. So since Lee and I are not quite awake, well, I'm not quite awake. I guess Lee something happened to him i mean i'm in second place uh, terry's definitely in first being on the east coast well terry since you're the most wakest uh what's up for the new products for this week what do you got most awakest uh, see i told you that awake yeah my english doesn't even kick in yet so <laughs> <laughs> all right so i've got two items that we should look at one is from flex innovations and it is a new edf I think we've talked before about their FlexJet, which was a, was it 70 millimeter, 80 millimeter? Yeah, one of those millimeter sure it was foamy 80. jets. Yeah, that's probably about right. So this new one is an adaptation of that, which at first glance seems to be just a, an upsized rendition, but it's apparently more than that. It's a 90 millimeter EDF, but it's fiberglass with a metal a trailing link suspension and all sorts of other goodies it's kind of i would say a legit jet takes it out of the foamy category and it is called the flex jet pro 90 mm -mm. Ooh, ooh. Mm -mm, good somebody snoring <laughs> what you don't like edfs <laughs> no i'm just kidding uh, he wants he wants 91 mm -mm. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's enough. Can we, can we turn the clock back again? A little more week of respite. Well, why don't we just put you on hold for an hour and then you can catch up. <laughs> um, this was surprising. Uh, interesting enough, my club has two of these club members 
uh, two different core members have these flex jets, not this big one, but the previous incarnation. And yeah. they, they are actually wonderful little jets. Uh, they, it's interesting that you sort of have to change your thinking about EDFs a little bit because while they, they screw around pretty quick, they actually really excel at low speed stuff and maneuver and uh, aerobatics and that kind of stuff. So it's, if you're looking for a high speed, go fast, turn left kind of jet, it's probably not really what you want, but if you want a really nice flying, highly aerobatic, uh, jet with a really wide speed range, especially in the lower end of, uh, of the speed range, this is a really, really good jet. And I'm curious to see how much that is retained in the 90 millimeter version. Yeah, that would be interesting. And this um, one's surprisingly, it's fiberglass, which is was a real surprise. Yeah, um, and it's an 8S power system, and it looks like everything is a la carte. So, uh, from what I can tell, the airframe is $670, and then you're going to add the fan and all the servos and doodads. And oh, so it doesn't include the fan or anything? I don't believe so, because I'm looking at their website, and it shows those as separate line items. Oh, okay. Well, it looks right. like it does include the retracts and the servos maybe we probably should have read this first yeah well, you know, i was going to just tack on kind of briefly you'd mentioned about the uh the motors separately but it's also back ordered that's, um, that's their fancy flex jp 99 motor just a just a tad of 280 okay well, so the airframe's not available till the summer so uh, they're not behind yet Okay, so looking down, it says recommended completion item. So it shows the fan unit, also shows speed controller and five servos, as well. So uh, yeah, some servos are included. Gear door servos. It yeah. Says. Okay. So it looks like the whole gear door mechanism. Oh, there's a picture of it. Is included probably because it's just more difficult to. It's probably pre-made or something like that. But all the control service servos are not included. Yeah, and Fitz, you're kind of more in tune with that, but is that kind of the way it goes once you step up into this class of EDF, that people want to put their own gear in there rather than something off the shelf? Uh, a lot of them do, yes. When you're talking about big planes like this, you know what, kind of cheap servos that come out of some no-name company in China somewhere. Uh, right. So, yeah, there's been cases where I've switched servos. Uh, and, it's, yeah, you're talking 8-cell, big heavy not big heavy, but, you know, something with substantial load on the control surfaces and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, this is almost an 11-pound airplane. 10 pounds, 13 ounces. Yeah, it's a, wow. What's the wingspan? Guess, guess, hurry, don't look, guess. I don't know, 40 inches? 44. Oh, okay, hey, in the ballpark. Yeah, uh, it's still just kind of funny to think of jets that way. Just yeah. 10 pounds, but 44-inch wingspan. But there's a lot of wing in those 44 inches. Yeah, it's probably, the fuselage probably contributes a significant amount of lift as well. You've got some and it's got the chines. strakes. Yeah. yeah. The chines, yeah. What are they called? Strakes or chines? Uh, chines, guess, right? The, yeah, those would be chines. You're right. Uh, let's see. Um, I had a thought. So there's a... Now, the, the previous incarnation had a thrust vectoring. Thrust vectoring. Yeah. Subject, a, a object, verb. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, break, kick in. Um, <laughs> version. So I wonder if they're going to continue that with this at some point. Hmm, I don't know. Uh, it's nice. So that interesting paint scheme is sort of a pseudo-Navy test pilot paint scheme kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and high visibility. So that's yeah, cool. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll have to talk about that later. I had a plane at 
I certainly needed a high visibility paint scheme on it. Uh, so very nice. I like to kind of like the actually. The more I look at it, really more I like the pseudo military paint scheme. It's really nice. Okay. Um, <laughs> we should probably rewind because I have just figured out that we are completely full of the cacas. Huh? That older version is also the foam is also a ninety millimeter. So it was okay. So I was wondering. Well, there's about a that. yeah. I don't know if they're all like that. So once again, we have failed to do our homework, so we don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. So maybe there's more than one version. I don't know. I blame the I'll figure this out. Well, the older one certainly was not 8S. It was 6S. Mm, you might be wrong there. Really? Yeah. Okay, well, welcome to the RC Roundtable, where we don't have a clue what the hell we're talking about. Yeah. I, I know what I'm talking about. All right, so here's a 6S version, also 90 millimeter. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I believe there's also an 8S. Um Dun, 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 dun. Yes, there's an ADIS version as well. Oh, the foamy? Yeah. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, and uh, this foamy version is considerably lighter as well. Yeah. So maybe this, I'm just shooting from the hip here. Maybe the uh, the fiberglass version is more of the go-fast type. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking that. I think that's what they went for. Because if you look at the foamy, they... They say you're not supposed to dive it with uh, full power and things like that, or powered dives. So maybe yeah. the the performance is limited by the airframe. And so yeah. they said, huh, I'll fix that. Especially since it's 8S, too. Yeah. So uh, that's my theory for now. Yeah, they did upgrade the landing gear slightly. It's a little bit, looks a little beefier. And the way that the uh, linkage is set up looks a little different. And 8S, fiberglass. Yeah, that's definitely seems to be more go-fast-ish. Um, yeah, interesting. <laughs> okay, and Lee has politely decided to stay quiet in all of this, so he is not implicated in all of our lies. Well, I just wanted the experts to talk about it. <laughs> Did you air quote that? And you've done it. <laughs> Did you, could you not feel it in the microphone? <laughs> experts. <laughs> Y'all done a fine job describing this this jet. Uh, yeah, the jokes on the audience. We just made all that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's Flex Innovation. Actually, does not have any jets. This is our who's on first routine. <laughs> Third base. All right, think, but you got anything to add, Lee? Before nope, we move on. Pretty paint scheme. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Highly visible. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we should have stopped at pretty colors. <laughs> pointy oh. nose pretty colors i have not had the opportunity to see one up close have both of you right i think fitz you flown one right yeah i've flown a couple you're talking yeah. the older version i presume the squishy one yeah they're, they're very nice jets that they um what's really neat about them is where they position the landing gear when you land you can hold the nose up for an extended period of time while on the main wheels hmm. everybody That's gets a kick fun. out of that yeah 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 uh, in fact, I just flew one the other weekend. When a club member just got one. He wanted me to take it up and dial it in for him and stuff. So, And then coach him as he flew it around a bit, and he did fine with it. I predict that you could just show up at the field, not bring any airplanes, and spend the whole day flying. <laughs> I've had something like that pretty much happen several times. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that happened the other week where I, I actually brought a plane and didn't even touch it. 
ended up flying. <laughs> <laughs> and other people like, uh, can you tune this in? Can you check this out? And I take it up and it's, you know, a bit out of trim. So I trim it up and then I help right. them. I had several club members get some upgrades to their arsenal of aircraft. And so they weren't yeah. that comfortable. So I, I kind of take it off and trim it out for them. And then I give them the transmitter, let them fly around. And then I coach them on takeoff and landings. I'm going to propose instead of like a new product section for our show, we just have a flying with fit special where he just tells us what planes he flew that didn't belong to him. <laughs> you should keep a logbook. I mean, because it would be a lot. I think I remember you telling me we, I, maybe we were together, Fitz, but you said I have to go. I got to go fly someone's plane. <laughs> <laughs> Thought about it that way. What maybe a nice job. Yeah, and we I'm, should get I'm, you a T-shirt that says "We'll fly for food, we'll fly for or food. beer, <laughs> or hugs, or whatever." No food. Stop at food, and I'll go with that. <laughs> yeah, so, I yeah. Let's jump. let's do that. Let's do that next episode. You have to tell us which planes you flew that didn't belong to you. We'll <laughs> stick that into our show now. Oh, just tattoo the name on your arm and make a list down your arm. Uh, I have this thing called a phone. <laughs> That's not as permanent, but okay. Uh, well, that's, what, that's what we want. We need that little special time. Special time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and oh did I tell you about the trim incident? The, the, the trim, trim incident? incident. Oh, yeah. I had a, we had a trim incident at the field. That's, that's, a, good, that's a good movie title there, so, the trim incident. Uh, yeah, so... so um, uh, should I leave the club member unnamed? Yes. Let's call him Bob. Okay, Bob... Actually, we have a club member named Bob. Let's change a different name. Um, uh, Poindexter. So Poindexter takes up uh, his... It's an EDF, of all things, and I'll leave it at that. And uh, he's actually a pretty experienced flyer, but he had changed the receiver to some sort of stabilized receiver or something, and he takes it up, and he's flying around, and I can tell he seems to be having a little bit of trouble with the trims or something. He's got a handful. So I asked him, hey, you need some help with the trim. And he goes, yeah, yeah, can you give me a little... You know, a little bit of right trim or something like that. And I said, oh, sure. So normally when I when people say they, it's uh, way out of trim or something, they need some help, I, I put in maybe a default, like three clicks to see what that does. Sure. Well, for me, for his three clicks, it was a quitter to like 10 clicks of anybody else, <laughs> which I found out later. So I put in three clicks, and he goes, oh, it's it's not, not responding right, and it kind of flips over and does a couple of rolls, and he kind of almost recovers... And it smashes into the tall grass. And I felt real bad. I was like, oh, man, I, I, I just put in three clicks. And I look at the transmitter, and it's like two-thirds away from the neutral from where it was. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it was like he has he flies a different transmitter, and he had. Um, and, you know, at the last second, I tried undoing some of the clicks. And, um, but, uh, you know, I felt real bad. And he goes, no, no, no. Um don't worry about it. And I still felt bad. And he came later that week or something. He comes back and says, um, he didn't think it was really the trim that did it. He says, he looks like he had a, something came off or a link came off or something. And, you know, don't feel bad about yeah, it. And after it hit the ground. After it hit the ground. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I don't know. Your trims were like super aggressive, but he had no hard feelings. And he said, no, it wasn't your fault. And I said, okay, I'll go with that. But, I, um, uh, I think the trim might have been a contributing factor, but maybe it was one of those things that where it's a cascading thing, where we had a trim and then some sort of mechanical error failure, and then that kind of right. aggravated it. Did he have some kind of trim curve? I don't <laughs> know, but yeah, exponential trim. 
Oops. <laughs> but he fixed it, so, flew it again, so everything's all good. So I don't feel so bad. He said, no, don't worry. Did he ask you to stay far away? <laughs> yeah. Stand over there, Fitz. For some reason, he was using the, the most furthest away pilot station from me. Yeah. Don't even look at it. <laughs> so anyways. So what happened to his fancy stabilizing receiver? It's still in there. I think he retuned it or something like that. Did some stuff. So, huh. No, so he's, he's back and flying it and everything's good, so. Uh, okay, well, well, that's good. But that kind word. of, that supports my theory that the gyro stabilizing ultra things are are all well and good, mm. but it does add another layer of complexity to these models that yeah. you have to be prepared for. So it's not a magic bullet by any stretch. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure he listens to the show, so yeah, I'm not saying uh, I didn't believe you. I'm just saying that the trim didn't help anything. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe there's... What brand of transmitter was it? Uh, One of those, uh, the Free Skies. Oh, okay. Are there, like, coarse trim settings or something, and then fine trim? Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's customizable. He admitted, I think uh, he said he, he cust- changed his trims a little bit to be more aggressive. Gotcha. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Cool story, bro. All right. You want to talk about some other new products we know nothing about? Why not? What's okay. gonna, <laughs> why stop now? <laughs> well, I was sent this link by some friends of mine in the Lubbock Club that I used to belong to, and they are primarily like a gasser, warbird, and turbine-oriented group. And they have some new servos that they like, and apparently they're really well-made and ex- less expensive than the mainstream stuff they had been using before. So the name of them is Pro Modeler. So if you go to promodeler.com, you can see the different servos they offer and kind of the different uh, options. And I think they vary from pretty darn fancy and powerful to medium range. There's really nothing on the low end of the spectrum. And I glanced around a bit at it. Most of the stuff seems to be for bigger, fancier, heavier duty type airplanes. But they do have some mini and micros. However... For my applications, it would use mini and micros. Standard stuff and even the really cheap stuff is usually okay, just because I'm not flying fancy airplanes with a lot of demand. So I'm struggling to find applications where a $40 mini servo is is something I would need. But if you flip that around to the you know, this other group that is flying the gassers and the turbines where they do have high demand, I think that's where the niche of this brand is so have you guys had a chance to look at them yet looking at them now are they all metal looks like some are because uh looks some... like they have heat sinks built into the case yep some do and i think some are all metal case some have a hybrid of metal and plastic um but they if you read the descriptions and kind of their company uh philosophy it talks about how their designs are are different than the mainstream and they're willing to spend a little more in their production to make a better server. Yeah, I like the effect of heat sink cases. There's, there's a couple of things that merely jump out to me with these. Such Just as? A, uh, a lot of them are very high torque. Yep. B, they're very fast. Yeah, usually it's a trade-off, isn't it? Yes, and these are both. It's like they hit the magic number. 
especially I, I saw a tail rotor servo, 0 0.035 seconds, 60 degrees. Holy! We used to think 0 0.06, twice as slow, used to be very fast. Right. Are you thinking in analog days, or is this even digital? Uh, I think even the digitals were pretty. I had to try to get the cobwebs out of my memory. It's been a while since I looked mm -hmm. at them. Uh, but I think even the digitals weren't that fast. And this is 85 right. ounce inch, 0 0.035 second. So, you know, 35 milliseconds. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, they made an error. <gasps> Say it ain't so. Yeah, that's what's throwing me off. Uh, the title says 85 ounce inch mini 760 uh, microseconds. Uh -huh. uh, 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 yeah, micro. Uh, but the speed in numbers is actually milliseconds. Three. Yeah, they 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 gotta they confuse micro and milli. Ah, it looks like that's weird. Uh, huh. Where did I notice that? Am I missing something? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. <clears throat> For sixty degrees, he's got one hundred twenty degrees, so that's double that. Is six? Yeah, they they confuse milli and microseconds. <laughs> it's a kind of easy to do but anyway still looking at their numbers they're really fast especially for 80 ounce inch wow that's impressive so all of them are fast and powerful that's really nice yeah and maybe you have a better calibration here but from a price point perspective do these seem better than the standard well they're certainly more expensive but for what you get it doesn't really look that bad you're saying they're more expensive um, I'm like, trying to well, see their numbering schemes because I see uh, I see BL is that brushless and then DL what's DL I'm only just starting to look at these so I'm not sure of the nomenclature of what they're if they're digitals or or not digitals or I think there's analogs and digitals uh, they seem to favor high voltage servos I wonder what their voltage mm -hmm. range is on let me just click one here so oh they got little ones too like a sub micro. Yeah, but again, that's what I was talking about. Uh, it's a very high-performance sub-micro, and I'm trying yeah. to figure out what that would be. Maybe what you were talking about, some of those um, mini helicopters that would need a really fast tail rotor servo or something yeah. like that. But a little foamy at the park doesn't need four of these crazy servos. On. Something I'd want to poke around some, because it, it looks like they have a wide voltage range, 4.8 to 8.4, so you can use it with 2S LiPo or a normal oh, that's five, a, yeah, five yeah. yeah i've actually come to favor high voltage servos recently for, especially for the gas powered planes because you can use one 2s lipo the power the the ignition and the servos and the receiver and everything basically on one battery pack huh. once you use a battery pack that's big enough uh, and it simplifies things uh, well so yes you're going to pay a bit more for these uh the micro is, is certainly a bit more but Holy well, look at standard size, and let's go from there. Because the story that I'm being told is that for the larger size stuff, that these are a better value than your Futabas and Hitechs. But I don't have, yeah, I don't know how to compare that because I don't usually buy these kinds of servos. Yeah, um, most of them are under 100 bucks, usually hovering around 40 to 50 bucks, some a little lower. Very few seem to be over 100, so that's already a good indication. Well, here I'm looking at value. thirty bucks for a ninety ounce inch, ounce inch uh, standard size mm. analog servo. Okay, it's just digital, so it's yeah. a standard size digital. Digital digitals for thirty bucks. That seems 
pretty good to me. So BL's brush says, wow, 345 ounce inches. Lift up a car with that. So it looks like they have conformal coating and some other good features that might be helpful if you're doing float planes or just high humidity, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it looks like a sealed case. Good for helicopter guys. I think Lee has choked on his bagel again. <laughs> I'm just listening to all the scientists talk. Just listen to us. To yeah, the professionals were ram- yeah, ramble on about nothing. Yeah, sorry for rambling a bit. Nothing better on a podcast than listening to two guys <laughs> <laughs> look at a website for the first time. Drool over. Look at the leads on that thing. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Uh, Check wow. out the splines. So I wasn't all that familiar with these people, but I think you've given me some nice uh, nighttime reading to go through the site and see what they have. Okay. Uh, yeah, and it seems. Projects. Yeah, I think it's kind of a mom and pop operation, and um, doing good stuff for for a niche area of the hobby. So go check it out, promodeler.com. Promodeler, yeah. Okay. And then tell us about it so we're more educated. <laughs> tell us what we got wrong. <laughs> well, ask if anybody out there is using them right now. Give us their stories. Well, I know I can get some firsthand stories from Lubbock, so I can do that. All right. Yeah, use the indication if turbine guys are using it. And those guys are not, you know, they're known for being highly meticulous in what they use in their planes. So that's probably a really good uh, vote of confidence on these things. Yep. Okay. <laughs> At the bottom of the webpage says, Caviar Dreams, Hamburger Budget. <laughs> oh, can you do it in British? Caviar dreams, hamburger budget. <laughs> that Lee's our English. yeah, Lee's our resident uh, linguist. You say it, Lee. I don't even. Oh. <laughs> you don't have a Robin Lee itself. <laughs> Caviar dreams. How's that? Oh, good enough. No, you need the hamburger budget. That's got to be a trailer park. Exactly. Hamburger budget. (laughs) Yeah, you do that. (laughs) That's your part. (laughs) Go get your Shiner Bach on. Uh, It's too early in the morning for that. All right. Speaking of low budget, uh, anything else we got? Oh, gosh, no. No? Let's just pick a random site on the internet and read it for people. Doesn't Google have that randomizer? Does it? No, let's not. And say we do. All right. Well, let's uh, take a quick break, and we'll be right back. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. My life has value. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! So, okay, so if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know for the past, oh, I don't know, month or so, we've talked on and off about the new FAA's proposed rules for the remote ID. There's a new FAA? Uh, yes! Ah! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that were FAA's new proposed rules for remote oh. ID. Sorry, yeah. told you're not quite awake yet. So, anyways, the they had a comment period for two months. That comment period has now closed. Uh, I think last week. So, as I mentioned, the magic number is fifty-three thousand two hundred comments 
were submitted mm. to the FAA. Now, a little birdie told me that is a record. Oh, really? Yes. It oh, actually is a record what? for number of comments for any of these NPRMs that FAAs has done in the past. For the FAA, okay. Yes. So Yeah, it was kind of a last minute push there. Yeah, it was a Just yeah, good. it went from like twenty to fifty really quick the last week yeah. or so. So, you know, procrastinators unite. Uh, <laughs> so that's including impressive. two people i know yeah 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 hey hey we did it yeah we did it as long as it was on time that's all that matters uh so thanks everybody who commented on that thank you for your efforts and uh, we were it's at first you know is fifty thousand enough was that a lot or not enough but apparently that was a lot a lot and by law, the FAA has to look through each and every one of those. And that's going to take some time. They're not going to be able to do that immediately. That's speculation is going to take almost two years, I think, to look through all those comments and be able to uh, disseminate them and do whatever they need to do with it. So I don't know if I believe that. That's that, what the FAA said, right? Yeah, well. That's, but I've that, reached the point where I don't trust anything they say. Mm. And I feel like it's all a setup for the next bait and switch. Yeah, possibly. Regardless, it's going to take some time. Nothing's going to happen immediately. This is not a law. This was just a notice of proposed rules. And so it's good. There's things work at the speed of government, right? And government works at the speed yeah. of paperwork. So don't expect. I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Yeah. <laughs> Run. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's not much we can do at this point except uh, fly like we normally do. And hopefully we'll get another round where we can look at the newest proposal i don't know if they're going to do another nprm kind of thing or they're just going to say here's what we decided and you're going to like it i'm not sure how that's going to work from here on but <laughs> choke on this <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but uh but real quick i want to also again um give a shout out to the eaa which mm. they submitted their a comment and made it public and it was fantastic uh the ama made this public and it was also very well written uh, and I know AOPA was against it, but I haven't seen anything. Did the AOPA show what they sent? I don't. Did you guys see anything? Mm, I haven't did. seen it. It was good. It was it a good. Was okay. Yeah. Yeah, I know that they were against it, but I just don't. I don't remember seeing what they submitted. I know they were also in our in our camp. When I say for, what I meant to say, they were for us. They yeah. were supporting yeah. us. So okay, the, the for against can be <laughs> used incorrectly when you're talking about it. Mm. But yeah, no, AOPA was good. Um, although, uh, Terry, you can explain what we were disappointed in. The one group that we were shocked with their lack of interest. Who's that? Oh, the AIAA? Yeah. yeah. We mentioned that in the oh, last yeah. episode. And I don't have any new information, so I'm sticking with my theory that they were either ignorant or against us. Mm. So Maybe they're yeah. playing neutral. That could be. And the fight's not over. Let's make no. sure everybody understands By that all we're means, still no. push, pursuing it. And, you yeah. know, even though the FAA has the ability to rewrite the rule and, and come up with something, we do have the AMA out there talking with members of Congress to say, hey, look, if you get wind of them trying to pass something like this, let's make sure you understand that the hobby is not the enemy. And if you have any say in, you know, halting, slowing down, <laughs> changing some of their rules, mm. um, method of persuasion then please do so yeah so, uh you know we're, we're we still have to fight we cannot i mean yes we need to go out and fly and have fun but we need to stay on top of this keep up to date with what the ama is talking about and um you know see what else we can do to to, to write letters or 
or get in their faces to say, let's make sure you do, you know, if you come up with a remote ID that we all agree it's the right direction. Yeah, you can, I, you can still write your senator and congressman as well on this. And yeah. I did that. I actually wrote to my senator. It was actually pretty easy. They have a, a web portal for doing that. And I had a fellow club member who also did it, and he got a response that wasn't just a form letter from the senator. So oh, uh, it sounds like they are listening. At least in, okay. in some cases. It, it doesn't hurt to try. Right. And I think it's worth noting that Lee will correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe, I believe the Commercial Drone Alliance was even against the foundation of this NPRM. So if that is indeed the case, then th the fact that there's 50,000 comments doesn't necessarily mean that it's 50,000 united comments on the same side. For sure. I would think that there are some people who think it's not stringent enough and some people who think that we just need to be blown out of the sky. But my hunch is that the majority of those, the vast majority of those are modelers who think this is ridiculous and yeah. we don't need to be babysat. But yeah. um, Every time I looked, I never saw any of those comments for this rule. Yeah. I don't know if you guys... Even you know, DGI was against it, but mm -hmm. for you know, different reasons. So... Um, yeah, like Lee said, the fight is not over. Uh, this is just round one of what could be a a real bloodbath. <laughs> Did course. I say that out loud? <laughs> I didn't yeah, mean it like that. Yeah. Of course, there's those great comments. You see the ones going around Facebook, um, social media sites about the lady who wrote about her. She wants that was Callie. Right? No, 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 no. Talking about the joke one. The joke one. Oh, oh. that was <laughs> that real. Oh, that <laughs> is that confirmed real? That comment? Do you think? It I don't know. Looked like it came from the comments. Did you find it? Can you pull it up real quick and read it? Oh, well. Can we just sum it up? I mean, the joke is in the first line. Uh, I don't remember the first line. <laughs> FAA, like, stop it! Yeah, you're, making you're making my, my husband, husband angry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She uh, she equated it to listening to her husband continuously talk about toe fungus, <laughs> and she just wanted the FAA to fix it so that her husband can go out and fly, and she can uh, eat uh, junk food over the sink and play with her kittens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But she has her own reasons. Yeah, she had her own. So. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right. So I guess another topic we should touch on at great risk is that this whole thing for months now has been highlighting a divide that's been in the hobby for a few years, but there's uh, I think a growing gap between, and I'm not quite sure what the difference is. Some people want to say fixed wing and multi-rotor. I'm not sure that's it. I think it's uh, line of sight and FPV, but even that doesn't seem to quite capture it. So I'm not yeah, quite sure where the divide is, but yeah, I'm not sure the people involved are really sure who they're against, but they're just angry and they want to point their anger at somebody. Yeah, there's definitely some growing animosity between traditional, say, say traditional fixed wing-ish modelers and the newer generation of B beyond line of sight autonomous kind of stuff um which overlaps with know. fpv people i guess not necessarily because there's very little autonomy in fpv usually yeah it's the fpv kind of walks and has a foot in both worlds it's sort of a uh, i think they see them as being in the sights with the as part of the problem i'm not They're saying the they skateboarders are of of this generation and yeah. when i was a kid they were trying to keep kids from skating and yeah. you know, on sidewalks and stuff like that and, you know, that was the big fight so it feels similar to that now and yeah. once again lee is eerily quiet what's on your brain lee 
I, I wouldn't want to test my blood pressure right now. Well, <laughs> I I really am. I'm quiet because I have so much to say on this topic. And I jokingly told the, my my fellow hosts here that I wanted to have a little uh, PSA that said the views of Lee Ray do not definitely represent <laughs> the views of my, my co-hosts. Because, I, I mean, uh, yes, all three of us are... are fixed wing pilots were I would say we're traditional I'm definitely an RC lifer I've been doing this for a very very long time and this this past week has been difficult for me I've been quite upset because of this animosity Terry speaks of between traditional pilots and FPV uh, quad look I'm not trying to create a divide and I'm certainly not trying to upset any of our listeners who have the equipment and I'm in a unique position where I have both and my son is active in a multi-rotor platform. He has a Mavic mini, which he actually used this weekend for a project, which turned out great. I, I mean, I fully support him, but you can bet your bottom dollar that I'm on him like glue when it comes to following the rules and making sure he has permission, all that jazz. But I also purchased for him a quad racer, but I can promise you this. He is, he has no permission whatsoever to fly that thing around people. And I'm not trying to put blame on FPV guys, but we have used the term throw us under the bus. Like it was, uh, I don't know, raindrops on, on a, during a hurricane. Everybody's using that term that everybody's throwing the other person under the bus. The FAA is sitting on their throne, enjoying this little riff we're having. And it's troublesome but I'm going to take the stance as a traditional hobbyist, as someone who flies fixed wing, and say it again, they are not the same aircraft. That's my stance. I'm never I'm never gonna change that platform. I'm sorry if people who fly drones say we out, you know, we have we fly more drones than you guys, we have way more numbers, you guys are the old, you're dying out, your hobby's gone. But yeah, I mean we I've heard it all. But I'm I'm a traditional hobbyist. I fly fixed wing aircraft. I have two multi-rotor platforms that are collecting dust and I'd happily throw them in the trash if that were the only way I could keep flying my planes without this type of heavy-handed government restrictions. I would. uh, Where do you see the divide? Is it fixed wing versus multi-rotor? Well, that's... Callie with Callie Graphics wrote a great post. And look, I feel like we're down... uh, I say bro, I was going to say broken record, but I, we're down the same road that Horizon Hobby had when they posted their video, and people felt like they were being excuse me the FPV guys. I'm not even see. I'm not even trying to say FPV guys because there's a different platform. But the multi rotor guys took offense. Well, Callie wrote this great speech, and granted, her photos that she used were kind of damning to multi rotor platforms, but she used photos that the media published. That's a big difference. She was actually using news media publication to show that's what people are talking about. That's what the news guys are using. Oh, she this, just didn't take these photos herself. This was just explain. This was an infographic where she had uh, two, basically two uh, frames. One said, this is a drone. The other one said, this is a model airplane, I think she said. Exactly. And on the, under the one, it says, this is a drone. It had basically some pretty damning uh Photos of drones and various things that they shouldn't be doing, either crash. It was one was crashing to a windshield, one was blowing flame out of it, a flamethrower on it. The flamethrower, yeah. I can't remember the other two. And then the other one had her holding uh, model airplanes in various poses for the most part. Yeah. But 
I, look, it was damning, but guess what? That was her voice. Yeah. That was her hobby. That is her opinion. And she had every right to it. And I fully support what she wrote. And let me back up a little bit more because I know this is where Terry would try to correct me and say, don't make, make sure you tell everybody everything. Her response was not directed at the multi-rotor pilots. Her response was directed at a terrible, terrible USA Today article where this author pretty much said drones are terrorist devices devices and there's something must be done about them i mean it, it's like the faa knocked on the usa today's door and said hey do you have someone who could write an article for us to really put you know all the drones under the bus <laughs> per se and it was awful and i don't know if i linked it uh, i do have a post on it somewhere but you can find this terrible thing and callie was the first person who responded to it and i'm going to I don't want to say open a can of worms here, but as soon as that article came out, I sent a letter to the AMA and I said, you guys need to jump on this. The only frustration I have right now is that the AMA didn't put something out there before Callie did. The AMA should have just pounced on this guy. It was awful because it didn't matter. It was directed at, it was all directed at drones, but it really applied to the entire hobby. We should all be mad at that article. And yet, I'm watching people attack Callie and her views, and that's what's got my, that's what's grinding my gears today. Um, but that's you know I, I'm rambling here. I've I'm upset about it. I'm upset that we're always constantly fighting between ourselves. It's what's going to hurt this. But I'm going to have to say this again. I cannot support anything as far as remote ID that will apply to fixed wing aircraft simply because the drone guys say, well, if we have it, you have to have it. And that's baloney. The the difference is clear. The, some of the FPV guys who are you know putting articles up there. In fact, some uh, I'm going to say nincompoop. How's the nicest way to put that? Some nincompoop just put a chart up there that has a chart between model airplanes slash drones. Okay, it says model airplanes versus drones. What's really more dangerous? It's just stupid. Okay, it's out there, guys. I'll find it, whatever. But the fact is, they did exactly what I say is the problem all this time. This guy has two columns where one says model airplanes and the other column says drones guys if you use the word drones and you're talking about a quadcopter or a multi-rotor you're part of the problem because he's already proven my point airplanes are not drones got it i'm just gonna get my little soapbox again but if he's talking about how bad model airplanes are, they, they can go this high and they can go this fast and they can carry payloads and all that jazz. How come drones are being the ones, you know, listed as the bad guys? We're listing the drones as the bad guys because they're the ones that are being flown beyond visual line of sight and that can be set at waypoints and do not have to have a pilot in command. Now, my, my thought is, is airplanes can be drones if they are beyond visual line of sight and are GPS enabled, which certainly can be done. Absolutely. And and that's not that's why I'm still having a problem with us calling things drones. There's just no clear identification, no clear category. And in my FAA comments, I one of the first things I stated was if you guys cannot categorize everything appropriately, then there makes no sense on creating rules and regulations because the motor vehicles are classified into categories. You would not apply rules for a motorcycle rider that also applies for someone driving an 18 wheeler. Yeah. But they're both motor vehicles, okay? So put them in categories, all right? I don't, if I have a quadcopter that doesn't have a GPS, that just has a stabilizer and I'm flying it visual line of sight, that shouldn't have remote ID. That's just how I feel, okay? Right. And, and same. 
you mind if I interject here? Yeah, I yeah, agree yeah, with what you're talking. saying. I'm, I'm to me, talking. I've said this all along. The the difference, and if there sh- are going to be different rules, it should be GPS and non-GPS. But to crawl up in your knickers a little bit here, Lee, and what you were just saying, you never made that distinction. You say multi-rotor and fixed wing, and th- that's just not the same thing. So you're, you're grouping a lot of these multi-rotor guys who aren't using GPS into that same category. And I think that's why... People are getting their their hackles up because, yeah, we're not making these clear distinctions. And to me, at this point, why are we making any distinctions at all? You can have your theories about how we got to this position, but it doesn't matter. We're all here, and so we need to figure out how to make it better. And the infighting, just like you said, Lee, I think the FA is sitting up there just laughing at us, clawing at each other. Well, I'll, for, I'll say, look, I've taken the bait from these people who are accusing some of the old guys as being part of the problem. I'll, I'll, I'll freely admit it. I, I do not have faculty of all my abilities, you know, uh, what is it? I don't have a grasp on all my faculties, you know, my mental faculties. I'm angry. And I, I'm sure there are a lot of people like me who just are frustrated. I haven't gone out and strangled anybody. <laughs> I haven't taken a baseball bat to, you know, but you've thought about it. <laughs> but, and, and quite frankly, you've never once heard me say that people flying FPV should have remote ID. I've never said that. And I'm just saying, though, there's got to be a point where these look, the FAA clearly knows when they use the word drone, they're talking multi-rotor platform. Not one ad, not one photo they produce, not one of the backgrounds they've used in their speeches has a picture of a park flyer Piper Cub as a drone. They're but all multi-rotors. Their okay? speeches don't matter, though. The, the rules they make do. And in the rules, they're not making that distinction. They're grouping But my point is together. this, and, for, and this has nothing to do with the FPV guys. The, 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 the situation is this. The FAA knows darn well if they put a little park flyer airplane on the background on, on, on their speeches or their ads, people would say, why are you putting that up there? That doesn't make any sense. People who are not, or I say you're not who are not aware of what's going on, the public, the public who don't fly. If they saw these images up there, they would say, why are they banning model airplanes? Why are they having a problem? They would, they know they would get backlash from the public. So that's why they're sticking with drones because that's where the complaint has been. Now, again, they're not trying to throw people under the bus. It's, it's a favorite talk, talk here, but you cannot simply just say that they're both the same device. They're not. And there should be logical applications for remote ID on some devices. But those of us who have been flying traditional aircraft, visual line of sight at a field should be clear. And, you know, like I said, I've, it's, it's been a bad morning. That, that, <laughs> that little article someone wrote and the people fighting Cali really just ruffled my feathers. Use your aggressive feelings, boy. Let the heat flow through you. Okay, well, I have an opinion on that, too. I respect Callie's right to an opinion, but once you post that thing on Facebook, I don't know. I think it's unreasonable to expect that everybody's going to agree with you and that you're not going to get any pushback on it. Yeah, I think we ought to admit that that image was pretty provocative, whether you agree with it or not. (laughs) I saw that. I was like, ooh, she's going to get it for that. Uh, you know, but you know, that's, that's life on the internet, right? It's, 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 but here, but look, I, I'm going to add to this though. And I made this comment and no one followed up with me. Those who were fighting Callie and I made a response to Callie's post. No one responded that I said, if you have a problem with this 
post that she's made, where is your article to the USA Today reporter? And I saw no other posts, no other comments that people made to that writer. And that's the one you should be angry at. They basically everybody's angry at the person who responded, not the actual writer of the story. But, Those are the ones we should be seeing. But okay, I guess what's the difference in what the FA or excuse me, the USA Today writer did and what we're doing right now? He's just throwing an opinion out there mm. that somebody can take or leave. Why should we be angry at him? Uh, look, I didn't say I was being logical. I'm just saying I'm an old timer. <laughs> I, I I feel offended, you know, and I'm I feel like I've been well. <laughs> I was going to say something, but I'm I'm glad I'm backing up backtracking there. So I I have not directly fought with the FPV guys to say you guys are the problem. I have said that there are situations that would be, probably require remote ID, but I've never gone to someone and say, well, you're you're the reason we're here. I've never done that. But I'm taking offense because I've been in this hobby for forty something years. I've not been a part of the problem. And now all of a sudden I'm being told, well, you've got to, you've got to pay up. You've got to have this equipment if we have to have it. And I'm, right. I'm finding that very, uh, very hard to swallow. Now, one thing I did notice in the, in the common thread in the more professional responses to the NPRM was to make the distinction between GPS-guided autonomous, semi-autonomous vehicles, whatever form they may take, and the traditional line-of-sight type models. Whatever form the physics they of how take. they fly is unimportant. Yes, so there is a common thread in 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 the responses to the FAA to say, hey, you can't just lump everybody in with everybody. It just doesn't make any sense logically or um, functionally. One size so, does not fit all. One size does not fit all. Now, hopefully, most of our uh, FPV brothers that are not flying autonomously will fall in with traditional modeling. We don't we don't certainly don't want to see them lumped in with the remote ID if, if at all possible. Uh, but it probably is likely that any type of autonomous or semi-autonomous beyond line of sight is going to have to have some sort of remote ID. Um, let me let me add this, okay? Because this is kind of my my peace offering. One thing we have not discussed in general for the several months that you know this has taken place as as far as responding to the FAA has been why do we feel that the FAA has to do like one big package at one time? Why have we not discussed, or I at least I haven't read, written, excuse me, I haven't read other articles from other uh, parties such as the EAA or Horizon Hobby and so forth that says, how about you guys just do a small piece first that addresses the obvious BVLOS mm. autonomy waypoint type delivery systems First, why don't you just tackle that and get those businesses to do what they want to do because they're the ones who are fighting for it. And then put another, you know, there's no reason why you can't delay down the road to do the rest of it. You know, let's spread the time out a little bit wider so you can do the obvious and then talk about the, the gray area later and then try to pinpoint better options for that. But they want to do everything at one time and that's where the big mess is happening because they just want to take everything and slap a remote ID on it. They want this to be finished. They want it out of their hair. Well then, but again, that's their problem, isn't it? Isn't that just kind of like, you know, pushing the cart in front of the horse? Sounds more uh, like they don't have, baby they don't the have water. A, uh, they don't have a system set, but they could have a smaller system ready to go. That makes sense to everyone. But they're not willing to do it. So, for, I mean, yes, we're talking about bureaucracy. But my point is, I didn't read enough of those comments 
to get them to, to wake up and say, you know what, let's just do the big commercial guys first with their need to deliver tacos and, you know, marijuana and you know, whatever cupcakes. and cupcakes and coffee. Uh, get those guys what they want and we'll focus on the other issues later. You know, we'll attack those. We'll, we'll set a date. I'm just, that's just, again, one of the other frustrations I have is that could have been a solution where we wouldn't have so much fighting right now. I don't know. Part of me thinks that they see this all intermingled. It's one big bowl of spaghetti and you can't pick and choose. Like, how is Bob going to deliver his cupcakes if Lee is out flying his toy airplane? Oh, my God. All right. Well, well I'm going to, I'm, I'm done putting talking. my FA hat on. <laughs> I'm going to stop you guys summarize your thoughts and then we need to hit the gong and go to the next topic. Cause you know me, I'll, I'm, I'm chewing on this and I've got to find a happy place. Okay. Well, here's my oh, summary. Oh. And I think I reached this point a couple of years ago, but when all this first started with the registration and other stuff, the first little peeling the top layer of onion and, into the FAA versus model aviation thing. I used to give the FAA the benefit of the doubt, uh, kind of, I could see the big job they had ahead of them and I could understand why they were doing some of the things they were doing, even if I didn't agree with it. I'm not there anymore. I think it's nefarious. I think they're just trying to sweep us under the rug and I don't trust them at all anymore. So whenever they make a statement or whenever they come to an RC event and say something, I I believe it's a cover-up for some other bigger scheme. It's happened too many times that they've played nice and then gone and done the exact opposite of what they said they were going to do. So the FAA is bad, okay? That's all I have to say. Hmm. Fitz? I guess by my very nature, I'm cautiously optimistic in the sense that I'm going to wait and see what comes out from this. I think the the fact that there's so many comments were submitted has to have the FAA's attention, at least in some capacity. Where we go from there, I have no idea. I'm not going to speculate. I'm just going to take a wait and see and uh, cross that bridge when we get to it. Yep. Lee, are you all done? <laughs> <laughs> okay, good response, Lee. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> Bite down in your belt. All right, so you know our position. <laughs> well, until then, fly and fly some more. Enjoy the hobby, and we'll we'll keep you apprised a, a of any updates, anything that happens. Uh, tune in to the RC Roundtable, and we'll give you the latest news as we know it. Okay. All right, Fitz, you cheeky little monkey. You have, you've always had secrets. You work on projects you don't tell anybody about. And then no. I see it on Facebook or Instagram or somewhere else. And I'm like, I'm going to say, I hate our friendship because you guys go fly stuff. I want to call you up and ask you questions. But you can say, ah, oh, we'll save it for the podcast. And that happened to me with Fitz yesterday. But I'll at least give you hints. I'll say I'm working on plane X. A, I've a got plane. this. But that's... That, all I get is it's a plane. Uh, <laughs> it starts with the letter K. It looked like a plane. <laughs> but Fitz gives you nothing. You just find out after the fact that he's Both been... of you give nothing. I'm like eager to hear. So finally, yes. Fitz, I want to know about the Eurofighter. There. I said it. Yeah, but there's more than that. 
<laughs> there's oh, there's more, but I just I called him yesterday to talk about the Eurofighter, and all I got out of him was it's loud. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so you're you're up, Fitz. Tell us the story. All right, okay. So I guess I guess Lee and Terry are talking about two different planes. I imagine three, three, three. Yes. The third one. Well, I guess we already know about the third, but we don't have a flight report on it yet. Go ahead. Talk about okay, the first you have to remind me of Okay, I guess since Lee mentioned the Eurofighter, uh, we at the Georgetown swap meet outside of Austin two or three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I don't know. Yes. At some period of time between eight weeks and four weeks, or two weeks, we went to the Georgetown swap meet, and while we were there, our old buddy Tom says, hey... Uh, you want this Eurofighter? This was actually one of Graben's old planes. Was that a question or a statement? No, it's hey, a statement. You want this? Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, well, no, it was actually. You might a not know it yet. You want this? <laughs> From Tom, it was basically a statement. That says you want this? And I'm like, ah, I don't know. It says I'll give you a really good deal. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. You sure? <laughs> says like, I'll give it. I'll give you a really good deal because I know you can fix up and fly it. It had some issues um more than he let on <laughs> it turns out right. <laughs> so ultimately he gave me a deal i couldn't refuse i said okay okay i'll take it it's kind of a neat plane and this is the uh, an old free wing eurofighter uh typhoon delta wing canard 90 millimeter uh, edf uh kind of neat it's thrust vectoring on it as well he says it's going to need some tlc uh there's the one of the main retracts was kind of broken and but it looked to be fixable uh and it turned out it had some other issues so okay well you know lee was there so i ended up taking it home in the past couple of weeks i've been tinkering with it checking things out on it and there's a few things that needed to be done with it besides the retract one of the main retracts had a broken tab and i was able to graft on an aluminum tab onto it and fix that nicely and find some wheels uh, I ran it up and it sounded like it had a lot of vibration or something in it. So I took out the fan unit and noticed that the motor screws were loose. Oh. Yeah, that's not good. So I tightened those suckers up. Uh, and then I had a problem with one of the, the servo horns on one of the canards was, was not broken, but really the hole had gotten hogged out. So it was really a lot of slop in it. And none of my servo horns would fit on this servo. So I had to graft uh, a kind of aluminum horn on aluminum sheet on top of an old horn and I kind of Mickey Mouse did but it, it seems it seemed to work pretty good yeah uh, and hook up all the controls it had a weird control setup in that you want it wanted the canards and the ailerons to work in the same way so the canards would roll input roll input into the uh, the plane along with elevator control and I and Tom had mentioned that most people just just hook the canards up as elevators which is what I did because I don't want to it seemed excessive yeah uh, it was around. But you like your roll authority. I do like my roll authority, but usually on Delta Wings, you don't need a whole lot of throws to get good roll out of it, so I wasn't too worried. Yeah. Uh, and I had to, oh yeah, I had to get a replacement piece for the thrust vectoring. It was missing one of the uh, ball links for the thrust hmm. thing, and... I got uh, a ball link guy. Uh, <laughs> well, these are weird metric things, um, but... Uh, Believe it or not, Motion RC still had some spare <laughs> I'm parts. Sorry. Weird metric things. It was weird. I, yeah, I know. I know you're talking about Dubro, someone made those weird stuff. metric things. Yeah. <laughs> no, but believe it or not, Motion still, had, even though the plane's been long discontinued, they still had some parts. And one of the things they had was the ball link set for the thrust vectoring. Huh. 
I guess they still use it maybe on some of them. So I ordered that. At the same time, I also ordered um, a replacement motor fan for my Mirage because I think I had like the early version of Mirage and they upgraded the motor. So I'm going to put that in at some point. But anyways, so getting all the pieces together. One last thing is the, th the thrust vectoring mechanism was a little sticky. I'm not sure what was on it. I, I tried cleaning it up with alcohol and it worked a little bit. Grape better. jelly? I don't know what was on it. It was just really sticky and, and so I ended up putting some graphite on it and that fixed it up real good. You know the little graphite oh. powder? That's, yeah, like uh, for a Pinewood Derby? Yep. Type exact, stuff? Huh. exact same stuff. I had some, I keep some stuff around for odd uses and that came in handy and it worked like a charm. You oh. didn't try that magic red juice that uh, Keith gave us a couple of years ago? Uh, oh, it might <laughs> melt it. Yeah, I was wondering what it would do to the plastic. So graphite is pretty inert. I I know. I was getting like, we'll just loosen this part up. Well, it's, it's loosened. Mm. Yeah. I think that's for loosening like Model T bolts that have been rusted on there. <laughs> yeah. So, so after all that stuff, I finally got the thing where it's flight ready. I found some instruction manuals so I can double check the CG, although it's actually marked on the thing and gives me the control throws. Although I didn't use their control throws, I just sort of guesstimated it. It's like, eh, it kind of looks right. And along with the angle of incidence on the canards, yeah. that's one thing. Center to, of gravity, meh, yeah. who cares? No, center of gravity is important and it's marked and I, it looked good. But one thing they didn't tell you is the angle of incidence on the canards, which I thought was odd. Um, and the manual. So I, I have a uh, helicopter um, angle uh, main rotor blade uh, pitch gauge that has a oh. detachable angle measurement thing on it. So I stuck it in and I guess, yeah, usually a couple degrees up on a canard's good. So I think I got around five degrees up. And I said, well, okay, well, this is, you know, no more excuses. Let's go try to fly this thing. It runs on 6S. So I had to change the connector because it had some weird. Um, connector for using two three-cell batteries. I just wanted to use one success. Huh. Uh, so I went out to the field yesterday, as a matter of fact, and it was nobody out there. It was kind of a nice day, a little bit breezy, but I had the whole field to myself. I said, all right, that way if this thing goes down in flames, nobody's there. To... <laughs> <laughs> no witnesses. No Wait. witnesses. No witnesses. You, uh, you videotaped down in flames, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like my that's, poor YF-22. That's monetization right there. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, I pulled the thing out, put on the runway, did a nice run down the, on a takeoff run. It's, it was up in the air pretty quickly and it flew beautifully, it flew really nice. I think I needed like two clicks of right trim and that was it. The thing huh. was just dialed in. Uh, and I flew Your trim around. didn't crash this airplane? Trim did not crash it, no. Okay, good. Uh, and it was a really nice handling plane. It's, uh, speed was good. Um, I didn't really run it full throttle that much. I didn't need to, it flew right really well at partial throttle. Uh, a lot of, a lot of static thrust. You point that thing up and hit the, hit the coals on the thing. It just goes up. It's really good on the uh, power to weight ratio. How big is that fan again? 90 millimeter. 90. Okay. And it's bifurcated through two outlets. So, you know, usually you lose a little bit of efficiency that way, but it was really nice. The only thing was, when I mentioned to Lee, that sucker is loud. It's got like a five-bladed fan. Oh, uh, yeah. You know it's in the air when that thing is flying. <laughs> it's loud as heck. Um, I might take it apart again and see if, I, see if it's out of balance a little bit so I can balance the fan. Uh, but it is a noisy SOB. Uh, but that said, I, I think I'll be happy with it. I didn't really get to play. I only flew it once. Uh, I didn't really, because 
Unfortunately, I had a stuck nose gear. It didn't retract. Hmm. Uh, the nose gear worked fine on the bench. I had no problems with it. Then I got to fly, and it didn't retract. And I was like, son of a... So I don't know if it <laughs> loose, something came loose, or I don't know what. So that's why I only flew it once. I was like taking home to kind of muck with it. And I need to put, replace the nose gear door. It's missing. Um, it's got a sequence nose gear door, which is kind of nice. Uh, huh. But I was in a rush to fly, so I didn't work on that. So it's a it's a pretty nice plane. It's made out of older foam. It's a little bit brittle. And I see that it's been repaired somewhere. So maybe somebody tried flying it and they dorked it on one of the right. wings. Uh, but uh, I, I think I'm going to be happy with it. The thrust vector looked like it worked okay. I didn't really experiment with it too much, but it's always on. Yeah, I, I did do a couple okay. of loops and rolls with it, and it seemed to do really good. So, uh, so that's what Lee and I were talking about. I posted a picture of it. Say, hey, I flew it, and it survived. Okay, congratulations on your swap meet restoration. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, tell me about the Hellcat. Uh, it's an airplane. Mm-hmm. It flew. Ah. Uh-huh. And what else do you want to know? Is it still capable of flight? <laughs> yes, it's still capable okay. of flight. Uh, right. That uh, Hellcat, it's really nice. That one, a couple of interesting things about that. That has, uh, that's the Hangar 9 15cc Hellcat. This one is electric power. It's got a power 60 motor running on 6S. Uh, this, uh, lots of power. Um, the thing just goes straight up. Uh, the first flight took a bit to get the trims in. I was wondering why it needed so much aileron trims when I first was flying around. I realized, oh, wait, I had a little too much rudder off trim in it. The rudder was not trimmed right. And so once ah. I fixed that, trimmed out really nice. Uh, nice flying plane. Very benign stall and, and flight characteristics. Uh, it's, it's a nice handling plane. Uh, the only thing, the knock against it is it doesn't have flaps. Uh, I don't know why they didn't put flaps in the thing. It's kind of weird, but it still flies with nice handles pretty good. I had to increase the elevator throw from what they recommended in the manual to get a better flare on it. But once that was done, it's really nice. This has my first experiment with the telemetry system that Spectrum has. Okay. So it's got a, a smart ESC with a smart battery and a telemetry receiver. So, we actually, something really funny happened, because uh, I set it up in the bench uh, in the workshop. So, I set, uh, the telemetry has like an auto configuration thing. So, you go in a transmitter with everything turned on, you press the button, it says auto configure, and it sets up all the telemetry stuff for you. And then you can go in and adjust like the low voltage warnings and that kind of stuff. So, okay, that looks good. I got my low voltage where I want it on the main pack. This is going to be telemetry. Um, it did, oh, Interesting thing, it showed me the wrong, it showed me a high voltage for the receiver when I first turned mm-hmm. it on. It said like seven volts. I'm like, is that right? And so I plugged in a voltmeter to the output on a receiver, and lo and behold, it was seven volts. This like, is the BEC coming out of the speed control? The BEC coming out of the speed controller was set default from the factory at seven volts. And, um, and I had already had one or two servos plugged in, and so I was really worried about that. And so I turned everything off and unplugged the servos. Because uh, the servos technically aren't rated for that, but they seem to take it okay. But I, when I checked the retracts, the retracts at six volts max, and so oh. I was in danger of damaging the retracts. I think if I had sure. plugged it in, so I had to go in and reprogram the speed controller down to six volts, 
And once I did that, the telemetry showed six volts and everything was good. So it was good that I had the telemetry to know that the receiver voltage, I'd never seen that before where the speed, the speed controller defaults to such a high voltage. Yeah, First that's time I've ever weird. That. Huh. Uh, so, <sighs> so if we go out to fly it, uh, Jeff, my cameraman Jeff is there to record it. And I take off. And suddenly you hear the transmitter going, beep, 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 beep. Like, what the heck? <laughs> beep, 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 beep. What the, the, turns out the thing has a built-in Vario oh, somewhere, cool. I think in a receiver. And it had been defaulted on. So I'm so playing this thing around, you hear these things going, beep, 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 beep. I'm like, ah, oh, son of a... <laughs> it was really annoying. So you're doing those vertical climbs. Yeah, when I go vertical climb, beep, 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 beep. Jeff is laughing his head off. Because <laughs> the thing is, it's quite pronounced. Yeah. Uh, so... <laughs> so <laughs> I would I would alter my transmitter. So instead of the uh, variometer, if it had a speed indicator, that the faster you went, like the louder it screamed at you. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Get off my lawn! <laughs> so, yeah, so be careful with the auto configure on the telemetry because it turns on a whole bunch of stuff that I didn't even know existed. Uh, so, <laughs> so when I do the video, you're probably going to hear that the beeping in the background. I'm going to make some fun of it. Uh, so, when I got down, I was able to disable it and I flew it several more times and it didn't beep at me anymore, but <laughs> that was kind of funny. So, yeah. all in all, it's a very nice plane. Uh, it's good presence in the air. I had a lot of fun flying around. Uh, it's definitely going to be fun at the Warburton meets. Uh, so you'll throw it up there with the gassers? Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, I might play around with the prop. Uh, again, using a telemetry, I noticed the prop I used was right on the edge of the max current for the, the, BEC, for the speed controller. So. Oh, even in flight? Um, it's okay. It will bitch at me sometimes, I think, if I... I don't know. That's a good question. I haven't looked down at the telemetry while I'm flying. I'm too busy looking at the plane. So, Will it log any of that data? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I have to look that up. I'm still playing with it, so that's a good question. I could set an alarm. That's probably what I need to do. Check. I can set a current alarm on it, so if it exceeds that, in the, I can at least it'll let me know in the air. But low voltage definitely works because... Later in the flight, if I do full power stuff, it starts complaining. Say hey, your battery's low. You know, it talks to you, it tells you the battery, it tells you the temperature as well. The speed controller is eighty-four degrees. Hmm. Uh, so some neat stuff. I, I'm still tuking with it and playing around. So, All right. uh, sounds like fun. And I guess one more, right? Yeah, right. Are you talking about the other thing? Yeah, that one doohickey. Oh, oh, one last thing about the Eurofighter. I really need to change the paint scheme on that thing. I was going to ask how the gray shows up. It doesn't. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's all low visibility gray. And it's a, a few stealth Eurofighter. It was, it was yeah. really hard to see, especially you know, it was kind of a cloudy day when I was flying it. And it definitely yep. needs something. It's got this, yep. both top and bottom are the same shade of gray. And it was just a few times like, I yeah. hope it's still going in the same direction I pointed it. Uh, I did yeah. find that the British painted one and a special paint scheme commemorating the D-Day invasion, so it has invasion stripes on it. Hmm. And that looked really neat, so I'm probably going to do that, paint it up with invasion stripes and, uh, to, to make it a lot easier to see. Right. Uh, so anyways, last thing is I have a new review for Model Aviation, and this is the E-Flight F-18 80mm EDF, the one that just came out recently. Mm-hmm. 
And that one, <laughs> uh, as Lee knows, had a very interesting uh, initial uh, flight test Maiden? attempt. Maiden. Wait, <laughs> Lee was keeping this a secret from me too? Maiden-ish. You maiden-ish? <laughs> <laughs> you guys conspired to keep me in the dark. It's a conspiracy, I tell you. I will say, though, what what is fun about this hobby is I've told other people, if you... Well, he didn't technically crash, but you know those who stay in the hobbies are the ones who can walk away from a crash, rebuild, and get back in the air. But Fitz got very resourceful <laughs> that day. <laughs> that was fun. So oh, yeah. You tell him the story, but I was there to document it. So here's a behind-the-scenes story. So I didn't have a whole lot of time to, to, to talk about it in the article. I, I, I talked about it a bit. but So um, I needed a cameraman in... We were, I was going up to Lee's club swap meet anyways. I said, hey, I got this F-18. Let me take that up with me. And Lee's help, we can videotape it or and take some pictures, get some flight video uh, pictures and stuff like that while I'm up there. Now, my normal club is a nice paved runway. We're quite spoiled here, as Lee and uh, Terry know. Oh. Uh, Lee's club is all grass. And it's a very nice grass field. I won't say anything against it. It's very well manicured and, and stuff like that, but it is grass. So I think, well, it's going to be a good test of this EDF and how well it takes off of grass. So, and this is the maiden. So I, I don't have, I set this thing up per the manual, all the control deflections per the manual, and and I proceed to go out to this field, leads at the camera ready. I said, okay, let's take this thing off. I put it sort of, it's kind of the cross runway, wasn't it, Lee? My first attempt? Uh, yeah, the wind was a little bit across. Yeah, a little bit across. So I went sort of around the middle-ish or so of the runway. Put it on the ground. I said, okay, you know, usually EDFs are, you know, I'll get this thing. It's, it's clean. doesn't have all the weapons and stuff on it. And I give it full throttle. And um, it made a nice RC car. <laughs> all the way up until it hit. <laughs> <laughs> That was good. <laughs> All the way. It was. What was that, Lee? I was going to say, hey, Terry, were you at the at best when that guy was taking the F fifteen off and it just took the whole runway? Yeah, I was sitting in the pits where he veered off. Yeah, and that's... ran into an airplane. There you go. Just replace F fifteen with F eighteen. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All the way until they hit the threshold into the really tall grass at the, at the end of the runway. And I was holding full up. I was like, come on, baby. Come on, baby. And it's like just bouncing around on the ground just kind of happily until it hit into that, that, that rough. Yeah. Uh, I was like, what the? It didn't even look like it was about to take off. And running into the... There was the, no rotation. There was no that. rotation. And running it into the rough, it was... Uh, uh, it ended up kind of dorking a few things on it. I, it, I think it uh, one of the foam winglet uh, missiles broke off. It really dorked up the nose gear a bit, uh, and you know I was a little bit disappointed in myself. I was like, "Why didn't I?" Now, now I should note that I, as Leah admonished me for, I didn't use takeoff flaps. It was clean, huh. and I didn't use the whole runway. I kind of stuck it sort of in the middle of the runway. I thought I had plenty of space, but it wasn't. It was right into the wind what? too. Was it still gaining speed when it hit the tall stuff? Uh, I'm not sure. Kind of, sort no. of. No? Okay. okay so no. More runway wasn't going to help you. Well, that's not it necessarily was, true. Well, uh, run, r- real runway would have helped yeah. him, but more grass was not oh, going to help sure. him. Uh, Just throw so, an extra yeah. cell in there. So I, I, I'm trying to 
I took it back to the pits. I'm trying to fix up the nose gear. I was like, no, well, maybe, you know, I'm trying to get the thing so at least I can try another takeoff attempt, at least get some in-air picks and stuff of it. So I'm using um, CA glue I had, duct tape, bubblegum, begging and pleading for some kicker. Uh, the nose gear got broken loose a little bit, and the plastic piece inside, and I was trying to trying to glue that back a bit. Uh, and so there were some issues. Ultimately, I was able to fix it. That's what Lee was alluding to, how I uh, tried to be resourceful. Uh, at least I, I should have taken a picture of his build table and how he had that thing strapped down yeah. to glue the wheel on. Yeah, I, had to, I wanted to hold it in position to glue it, so I found some duct tape, literally, and glued it and used the duct tape to hold it, to, to put force on the, the glue joint while it dried. So things on his table with this long piece of tape glued to the edge of the table to force it into position. Nice. So here we are, takeoff attempt number two. And this time I moved, I started way at the very far end of the flying, at the runway. Oh. So I said, I'm going to use, this thing's going to get up in the air. I don't care how much runway I need to use. <laughs> You're going to so, fly whether you want to or not. Yes. Yeah, here we've got cameras. Cameras are rolling. So how long is your runway, Lee? What do you think? 800 feet. 800 feet. So it probably <laughs> took, what, 600? 699 <laughs> it took at least i think i'm guessing about 500 feet for this thing to get up into the air probably 500 feet yeah yeah i mean it was just it made a really good rc car for a while and then it, you could tell it's kind of getting light on its on its wheel it's still bouncing around and i'm just holding this hauling back on the elevator and did you have the flaps I, this time yes i had takeoff flaps this time <laughs> this time and the thing finally gets in the air i think it got but I horse it in the air, so the airspeed's a little bit low, and it's sort of kind of struggling a little bit to kind of get up on step. And I'm, you know, I raise the gear and raise the flaps and um, making sure the trims are set. And so, you know, for the first round, I'm sort of just kind of getting a feel of it. Uh, and eventually, it kind of gets up on step, and it actually flies pretty good. But I noticed that, you know, the controls are not twitchy at all. Um, uh, I think also I used high rates, too on the mm -hmm. second takeoff attempt. The first takeoff attempt was low rates on the elevator. Right. So flaps and high rates. And I finally get the thing up in the air. And and I got a feel of it. I can tell it's like, yeah, it seems like it's nose heavy. I used the forward CG limit on it. And I can tell it's like, no, this thing is, does not need any more forward CG. Yeah, that wasn't helping your takeoff. It either. was not helping my takeoff. So ultimately, what I had to do, I've had several flights on it, even with the weapons, is I had to move the CG back quite a bit. And yeah. I actually increased the elevator throw beyond what they had in the manual. Uh, and that seemed to help it a lot. I think they were way too conservative on the elevator throw and the CG uh, in the manual. Uh, huh. okay. And so we got some flights. I even took off the grass with the weapons after, I think, the third flight, I think. Second or third flight. And so Lee got some really great photos that uh, I ultimately submitted for the article. I've flown it several times off of the uh, tarmac at my field, mm -hmm. and it takes off a lot quicker, <laughs> <laughs> a lot faster. It's actually pretty decent uh, off the off the paved runway. It's it's fine. Once I did those tweaks, I might even move the CG back a little bit more. Uh, it's actually really nice. It's not the fastest thing in the world. Uh, but it handles really good, and it's you can still do aerobatics at two-thirds throttle, loops, rolls, inverted. I had a really good time flying it around. So it's a very nice handling plane. It's just the takeoffs can be 
uh, a little tricky until you get it dialed in, especially off of grass. Gotcha. Uh, so was the room in the battery bay to shift the battery and adjust the CG? Yeah, that's a nice, really nice thing about uh, okay. it. It's got a huge battery tray in this sucker. You can move that thing all around, um, back and forth with, uh, with a lot of freedom. So they recommend 4,000 to 7,000, and I was using a 5,000. Success. Success. So um, as I was thinking about it, I didn't really note it in the article because I kind of thought about it after. I think if you're going to fly it off of grass, use a 4,000. It's a little lighter. Um, Get it up in the air faster. Uh, And a 5,000 is better for, 5 or 7,000 is better for paved runways. The landing gear is really nice uh, if... um, um, if you don't break it. If you don't break it. <laughs> if Chris Wolf is uh, listening, I'm sure he will really like the legs on this baby. Uh, <laughs> it's They did a really good job of, of um, reproducing the real F-18 landing gear. It's got high articulated main struts, and they've got the, 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 the nose gear, too. looks a lot like the real thing. I was looking at pictures of the real one. They did a really good job. Um, it's got doors. The only thing is, of course, the wheels are not covered. They didn't add extra doors for the, the main wheels. But for the most part, they did a really good job with landing gear. Huh. It's really nice. It's a really nice looking plane. Really, really nice, and it handles good. Well, all right. I'm glad you got it all sorted out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I the, almost forgive you for keeping it a secret. <laughs> I was a little worried, you know, that at that after the first flight, it's like, man, I just got the thing, and I've already dorked it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, like, first time we talked about before in the show about crashing planes for reviews, review yeah. planes. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, my, my first time ever, I think I really might have really almost crashed a review plane before really getting some good pictures of it. But, uh, yeah. but no, it's all, it's all good. I've done that a few times now. You get used to it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It just felt bad. Uh, but. Uh, all is done. Uh, I still need to do a video of it. I don't have any. We didn't get a chance to get the videotape like we need. I ran out of time. Uh, but so that's the next thing. Yeah. You know, it's funny to me because I had this conversation with Fitz when we were, you know, standing next to each other. But he's kind of just brushed over the whole thing about you know, it driving like a car on the grass. To me, it looked like it had no power. Like he had a 3S in there. And I was like, are you throttled up yet? Because he was just trucked it along. I was like, are you going to throttle up? Are you going to throttle up? It just went right into the grass. I was like, that thing had no speed. So obviously he's had better performance flying at his field on his runway to get enough airspeed to take off. Yeah. But those wheels are just clamping down on that grass. And I, you know, our field's not a golf course by any means, but it's not too bad. No, that's pretty But nice. with those little wheels, it just took off so much speed from that jet. Yeah. It just looked yeah. like it was going half speed. And I was like, I mean, I saw that that wall of grass coming. I was like, are you going to pull up? Are you going to pull up? <laughs> 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 Put some big old Tundra tires on there. I, I mean, what I need to do is show you the original raw file with my camera zoomed in all the way and how far away the plane was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he traveled a long distance to get nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those little wheels on just did not like that grass. They did not like it. You really... It's like Velcro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sticking to the ground the entire time. Try to take off with hook and loop. <laughs> yeah, well, we were actually tossing the idea about hand tossing it. <laughs> it's like, probably get better speed that way anyway, but I'm glad you, you did get it flying. It, yeah. it looked pretty in the air. Just, uh, I always kept telling us, it looks like it needs two more cells, though. Uh, <laughs> I'd, like to, I'd like to go a little faster, but... 
Yeah, it, it's not a speed demon. Uh, so I think um, if you're looking for a really fast jet, this is probably not going to meet your uh, scratch or itch. But it's decent. It's it's respectable once it's up on step. Yeah, and it, it's pretty aerobatic, and it and it handles really good. So if you like a scale plane, it's just something that's nice handling. Uh, you can't can't really uh, knock it for that. It, it's uh, easy to fly. If you're an F-18 lover. Yeah, if you're an F-18 lover, it's, it's got lots of nice scale details, and it handles nice, so. Just, if you ever fly off a grass field, know that it will take a, a bit of uh, real estate to get up in the air. Make sure your hill is going downhill. Yeah, <laughs> take off downhill, upwind. Yeah. And see Fitz's notes about the CG and control throws. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny, because I actually, after the finished everything, I, I poked around on... Um, uh, RC groups and people are kind of saying the same things. Like they they had issues with it taking a long time to get up to speed uh, for takeoff runs, the grass and stuff. <laughs> I, I think one of the club members said, "Do we need to get a catapult launch for that thing?" <laughs> 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 what might be happening is because of the oleo struts in the in the main gear, as you get up to speed and it gets light on the wings, it might induce a little bit of negative incidence on the wing as it's you know as it's reaching takeoff speed. So, if you think about it, because the legs are Maybe. really, the oleos are really long on the main gear, like yeah. the real one. They're really highly articulated. So, it might be something what's happening. Uh, so, and and with the conservative settings, if you, t- if you try with the, the nose heavy and uh, no flaps, or even if with flaps, with nose heavy and the lower than optimal throws on the elevator, I think, uh, might be just but- sort of a combination of things. But think about that. If it's getting light on the wing, mm. then well, the reason the oleos are lifting is because it's light on the wing. So yeah. it seems like that would self. Uh, I don't know. No, because the the moment is behind the center lift. Yeah. Okay. I, think. I don't know. I, Anyways, I, I need a chalkboard. Yeah, <laughs> the chalkboard hand puppets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I babbled on long enough. What have you guys been up to? I know, right? Gosh. Lee, yeah. what have you flown? No, that was all, that was a big review from Fitz. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like a, a perfect storm or something. Uh, really, <laughs> Ask him what time it is. He tells you how to make a watch. <laughs> I guess that was the, the, new, the new plane, new product out there. <laughs> yeah, I need a break now. I go back to cleaning up my uh, garage. I know Terry has stuff to talk about, so I'll just, just, Touch on mine real quick, and then we'll shoot to Terry. But I finally had some time to clean off my workbench and put a new sheet of homosote. So went to McCoy's and picked up a sheet yesterday and, you know, cut it to length. I've got a nice workbench I built myself. It's got a solid wood door for the top. Uh, it's like 70 by 30, something around there. Anyway, so I got a new, brand new sheet of homosote, so I'm ready to build some air roll planes. What's the advantage of homosote? Homosote. Everything. Uh, H-O-M-A-S-O-T-E. Well, actually, Fitz, you can jump in real quick since you are a newbie to Homosote now. Yeah, I'm a believer now with that stuff because, uh, <laughs> Lee, you talked about it several times. And so I, I thought I'd try to find them. It was not easy to find. It's not in at the, the big box stores for the most part. No. Yeah, I, I found this. Plywood Mc- stores. Yeah, I, I looked around. I think I called around and you said, this McCoy's and I found one that wasn't too far away from me and I found some some stuff I think I showed some pictures of it because I stuck it on top of my car <laughs> do you remember that yeah <laughs> if you don't know I drive a small hatchback and so yeah. a, a large eight 
was it eight by four foot sheet? It's four, yeah, it's four by eight, but you got to be careful because that that'll snap. It's not you know, it's not wood. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I strapped it down real good. I have some uh, mounting bars on, I can put on top of the car, so I stuck it on there and drove drove home with it, and it didn't snap, so I was I was okay. This is neat stuff. I guess it's a soundproofing material, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is it's you can cut it down to shape pretty easily, but although it's messy, holy. I use a, a circular saw to cut it to shape, and it was like it's like a biohazard <laughs> or something. You do that, you know, because I've had this experience before. When I went to cut it out in my driveway, I brought my circular saw and my leaf blower because <laughs> <laughs> I was prepared. So yeah, when you cut this stuff with a circular saw, it really screws up a lot of dirt. It's like pressed newspaper, very highly condensed pressed newspaper. Yeah, and. The uh, if you use if you can do a, a cutting edge and you can kind of score it and then break it off, but you've got to really have the right mm-hmm. table and you know surface to do that. But a circular saw will make quite a mess, as as yeah, yeah I wasn't prepared out. for that. I was doing it like in the garage a little bit and it was just yeah. awful. Um, and cutting it, but that said, I used it when I built the beaver. Uh, it was one of the reasons why I got it because I know I was going to build this beaver kit. And Lee had talked about how it's great for pins and mm-hmm. accepting pins and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right. The, the stuff is fantastic. Uh, it's generally pretty flat. What I did is I screwed it down to my workbench. And and pins, you can put press pins in it real easily, but it doesn't hog out very easily. So it's very st- it's stiff enough to hold the pins, but permeable enough that you can stick them in there easily. And you can cut on it as a cutting surface, and it's it's fairly smooth as well. It's, it's fantastic yeah. stuff. I, I was going to say of the pros and cons. I mean, it's not. I want. I mean, cheap is relative, but I mean, it's thirty five dollars. Yeah, I guess out bad. the door. Yeah. So it's not super cheap. I mean, you can just buy a you know piece of plywood and probably for less than that. But you can put pins in it. You can stick your knife into it. <laughs> yeah, I've done um, that. I've done uh, knife throwing into it. Just throw my... You can temporarily store your knife while yeah, you're busy. Yeah. Um, the fact that it is sacrificial, so you know, if you have a good building table like mm. I do, and you just want to replace the top sheet, you can. Uh, the only con, I would say, is it is not perfectly smooth. It's, it's not MDF-type smooth. Yeah, but it was enough. Once you put... Uh, a set of plans on it and a set of um and uh like a non-stick um you know wax paper or something on it it was fine i had no issues with yeah it. i mean it's 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 good it's just if i'm trying to compare some other building types of service like some people have actually built on glass well what yeah the heck? yeah you can't compete with glass but, so it is not that smooth and there by the way there's two sides one smoother than the other so oh, really sure you put the yeah oh, i didn't notice that you, yeah, if you rub your hand on it, you'll feel mm. that one side's a little bit smoother than the other. So anyway, good stuff. In fact, uh, I thought what was really fun is I had an extra piece from my last sheet that's been sitting in my garage all this time. And when I trimmed the new piece, I actually taped two together to put on the workbench that Austin uses in the garage. So now we've got two Homo Soap building tables, one in the workshop and one in the garage. Huh. So... There you go. That would I, I didn't expect to take that much long <laughs> time on it, but uh, homo so good stuff. Look it up, it's, and uh, yeah. it's a, uh, my AC broke again. Again, Mitsubishi mini split. It's like the third time I'm, it's broken. It is like the third time for an expensive time it's broken. I've kind of given up on it. Uh, I don't. I'm not going to spend too much time, but boys, I'm just going to say I don't recommend Mitsubishi. Um, I thought I was going to be happy. It seemed like they were really good, but. I start looking up all the reviews now, and not only is my product discontinued, which made things even worse for me, 
but I just don't find him in the top five anymore. Uh, Daikin is the brand that most people have recommended to me. Uh, it's pretty much the same price, but I'm not ready to spend that much for a new unit. So I'm kind of, I'm on, I'm in limbo, but just FYI, no, no Mitsubishi. Look up Daikin if you're thinking about getting a mini split. And by the way, they're wonderful. So get the heat pump and I've loved it when it works. It's great in there. I, I, you know, it makes building enjoyable <laughs> versus a sweatshop, which I'm sure Fitz, you've had before, right? I still do. <laughs> yeah. And and Terry, you know, you've worked in my garage one time at the I, old house. My workshop was in my garage when I lived in Houston. Yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah, it's horrible. Sweatshop. So. It's it's definitely worth the dough when you spend it, but it's not worth the dough when you have to pay for it twice and within six years. So, yeah. Um, and we'll end with some good stuff. Uh, I'm going to go flying with Austin later today. Oh, nice. Good. There you go. I'm going to try to get this terrible taste out of my mouth and go fly a fixed wing airplane. <laughs> it looks like good weather today. <laughs> I'm going to go fly my Tiger Cat. So, oh, there you go. Yes. I don't know what Austin's flying, but I'm going to put my Tiger Cat together and go fly. So. Oh, right. oh, and one more thing, one more thing, uh, PSA, we may have touched on it, but Fitz got to see what happens to Tigon fuel line if it sits in a gas can that has ethanol. Didn't you? Did yes, you? yes, I did. It's, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not good. It's, it, it's, it really bad. It's really bad. bad. It's bad. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> I, can, I, uh. I've been informed, and, and and I'm sure some who are listening are already aware of this, but who those who are not, uh, I have purchased gas for my Corsair, and I've mixed it with you know oil, but I went to the grocery store and picked up, you know, it was under 10% ethanol, but that stuff had been sitting in the can. Well, I had picked up my Corsair the other day, and I couldn't hear the clunks, and then I opened up my gas can, and the Tigon is stiff as a board. It doesn't <laughs> flex at all, and I showed the piece to... To Fitz, and then uh, everybody, you know, since I've discovered this, said, "Oh no, you have to get ethanol-free gas." So, luckily, the, there is a Bucky's not too far uh, up in Waller, and I uh, actually changed out all my small engine fuel too with that. Oh, and maybe I—I uh, I don't know if I talked to you. Were you there when my generator was surging? Yeah, yeah. Fitz. Yeah. Oh, because okay. I was trying to charge so, off of it. Remember? Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay, so yeah, that kind of how I get this full circle going on, but. My uh, my brand new Ryobi generator was surging really bad, and a guy had come up to me and said, yeah, I, I had one too, and we all discovered that if you use any type of ethanol fuel in this thing, it's going to ruin the carburetor. So I ended up taking out my carburetor, cleaning it out, and uh, putting it back in, and also changing out the fuel lines, and drove it to the gas station got ethanol free in it sucker runs great now so i kind of looked out because they had to buy new carburetors but i was able to actually uh repair mine and uh yeah so i'm i'm a true ethanol free gas man now so i've actually been pouring all the extra gas that i've stored into my car (laughs) because i hate my truck (laughs) and i'm I'm going to start putting ethanol free fuel in them, but uh, yeah, it's, it's made a difference. So now I've got all new Tigon for the core, uh, the Corsair. So I've got to rip out everything to put it all in, but it's amazing how terrible, terrible ethanol is to Tigon. It is huh. stiff as a rock. It is just hilarious to see it. Just, you hold it it's straight out like a stick. <laughs> fuel line's not supposed to do that. Wow. So PSA guys, ethanol free is your friend. Good to know. All right, Terry, it's up to you to bring us home. Oh, I think you're going to be sorely disappointed. 
but uh, I'll try. I've just got a quick story here. So last weekend, we had our first sunny day in a long time, and the winds were pretty calm. So I grabbed that uh, Kyosha Ballad and took it to the local middle school where they have a nice field there. And uh, was just going to fly one battery to scratch the itch. But when I get there, somebody else was already there. And I couldn't quite tell what they were doing. But I walked over and checked it out. And this guy had a really cool contraption. You may recall from a few episodes ago where I talked about the converting that ten scale monster truck into kind of a snow machine by putting skis in place of the wheels and converting it into a propeller-powered job. So this was the same idea. The guy had a, this contraption, and to put it in scale, it was about the same scale as a one-eighth or one-fifth scale RC car. It was pretty big. Oh, pretty big. But he also had the Dubro skis on it. But the entire thing was made out of connects. Are you familiar is with that the what toy? Was that sort yeah, of yeah, it's an old '80s thing, isn't it? Yeah, I had some when I was a kid. They're still around because my son has used them. But they're you know plastic construction pieces that snap together. They've got the rods and the joiners and wheels and bearings and stuff like that. Hmm. But it was this very complex series of things put together, and it had sus- articulating suspension with springs and all that. Wow. It was really cool. And uh, he had a brushless motor on the back with a prop, and so that part was pretty standard. But he had built this thing top to bottom with all that stuff, and it looked like it was uh, pretty solid. Whoa. And you right before I got the... Well, no, I was kicking myself in the butt. So I walked over just as he was kind of leaving because he had broken his motor mount doing something. Um, but he was saying, yeah, it works really well. It'll get up to about 60 miles an hour. And I was playing with it out here and uh, the motor mount broke off, so I need to go fix it. And so I was just talking to him about that and then telling him about the one I made, which is similar. And yeah, I was kicking myself because I didn't think to take pictures of it before he left. And I don't know the guy, so I don't know if I'll ever run into him again. But I just thought it was the coolest thing at first i was shocked that uh how similar it was to the thing that i did and then how clever he was to use connects for that mm. i never thought to use connects for any kind of rc machine i just wouldn't imagine it being strong enough but, he's probably got the fastest connects <laughs> right. device something's ever flown yeah, or driven I'm, 60 I'm miles sure. an hour yeah so hopefully i'll run into him again out there and i can get some more details on it but i just thought it was pretty clever well i i want to just chime in real quick about connects at at my son's high school they have one of those six foot ferris wheels made out of connects oh okay have you ever seen that it's mm. it's massive is that a kit you buy or did they come yeah, up i think with it's it? a kit you buy but it's huge you know actually and it you know it moves too so it's huh. pretty darn cool hmm. interesting oh my god now okay terry you've got to do what? tinker toys <laughs> <laughs> you gotta up your game man All right. <laughs> can you still buy those Oh, sh- my God. You could probably get them on eBay or Craigslist right. by the Tell pound. Tell I'll do one out of Tinker Toys if you do one out of Lincoln Logs. <laughs> okay. What, what does it have to be? Just uh, anything or something uh, RC? Uh, yeah, anything. <laughs> Lincoln Logs exceeds 70 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, that was my outing. And uh, I did do my flight with the ballad and this was my first flight with the enlarged control surfaces which was better i think i can still go larger but it's uh, definitely more practical now but unfortunately the wind had picked up by the time i got there so i didn't give it a fair assessment and i, I was freezing so i only flew for a few minutes and then i packed it up was this but, off of snow oh of course yeah 
Although there's no snow on the ground today. Uh, So uh, if the weather gets better here, it's sunny, but it's kind of windy. So if that gets better, I'm going to try to go out this afternoon and fly something else. We shall see. That's That's it? There's there's not more? No, that's it. Well. All right. Okay. Let's put a bow on this thing. All right. All right, well, I think Terry wraps up another fun-filled, yet slightly rant-filled episode <laughs> of the RC Roundtable. Me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm raising my hand. I, po- I will apologize for those of you who stayed on. I am sorry. I just It was morning. I, had, I only had one cup of coffee, and, you know, <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> you eat that candy bar that turns you from a raving lunatic into a... If you have, if you have any hate mail, just make sure it says attention Lee at the beginning. Attention Lee, we want nothing to do with it. I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) I am who I am. (laughs) It's what you paid for. (laughs) (laughs) You paid too much. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks everybody for uh, joining us this time. We'll see you next time, and uh, say goodbye, everybody. Happy flying. please visit our website at rcroundtable.com where you can send us comments and suggestions or listen to our other great podcasts. Where you will also find links to our iTunes and social media sites. Thanks for listening.